0: Welcome back to the Thundersticks Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about just some little tidbits throughout the week that have kind of been glossed over by me. I'm going to be talking about Justin Jackson, the Chesapeake Energy Arena, and I'm also going to be giving a little bit of a preview for the Thunder Wizards game coming up tonight but before I get into that just make sure to keep both Terrence Clark and Brandon Boston in your prayers same goes with their family if you guys did not hear the news yesterday there was a fatal car crash that involved Terrence Clark projected to be bottom of the second round pick 19 year old bright future ahead of him like he was going to get drafted and he was kind of in a difficult situation growing up, finally being able to kind of get all that work in and provide for his family. He got in a car crash, drove past a red light, hit a pole, and he was pronounced dead at the hospital. And then right behind him, Brandon Boston was not hurt, but he was in the car right behind Clark's. So you'd have to imagine that he definitely is probably not in a great state mentally. So just make sure to keep them in your prayers. Same goes for the family. It's much more than basketball here. And it's just another reason to, you know, not let any day slip away. Like, don't take anything for granted. And just make sure to keep both the Clark and Boston families in uh, in your prayers. But moving on to the Thunder I wanted to start talking about Justin Jackson, and this is a move that I discussed. Well, actually, I didn't discuss. I might have hinted at it a couple days ago, but this is a move that happened all the way back on Wednesday. So I think it's about 48 hours removed from the official news, so I'm very sorry for being a little late on the ball here. We've just been really crammed on Thunder News, so it's been hard to kind of squeeze these tiny stories in. I wanted to pack them all together, and I think this was a good day to do it. So just starting off with him, I mean, there is actual news coming in from his side of things. And the last time Justin Jackson was on, even on the NBA map, it was with us, and it was him getting waived. He got waived April 5th, and in order to be playoff eligible, you needed to get waived by April 9th. So he made that cut and that meant, you know, if any team wanted to pick him up from the buyout market, he would be good to go. That ended up happening and the Milwaukee Bucks officially signed him to a two-way contract. But before I talk about that, I just want to say like him getting waived April 5th seems like a couple months ago. Like time in the month of April has been very slow, racking up loss after loss. Like, it does not seem like the timeline is correct there. I think we got Justin Jackson out of the way, and that's when we started bringing in Jalen Horde and Justin Robinson. It seems like they've been on the team for, like, two months at this rate. Like, this losing streak has just been slow, super slow, and every game seems twice as long as normal games. Like, whenever it's super competitive, it goes by in a flash. But with the with the typical games we've seen... The pace is usually a little bit slower. You kind of get a thorough evaluation of everybody. And I think because of that, just the time is so just jarred right now. Like, I cannot believe that we are just about, like, what, three weeks removed from Justin Jackson getting waived and not even. Seems like such a long time ago, like I said. But, yeah, he finally got inked to a deal, and he's going to be with the Milwaukee Bucks on a two-way. And with that... It's really just going to be a one-year contract for him because even excluding the fact the Milwaukee Bucks only have, I think, 14 more games, or they have 15 more games, but excluding that fact, a G League two-way contract is going to give you 50 games in playoff eligibility anyways, so it didn't even matter. Like You could have signed him back in February, and you would have been good to go, and whenever they added playoff eligibility, that was just even more adding up to that testament so he's gonna be with the milwaukee bucks he's gonna be rotational piece at the three and the four and also if you ever need some help in like a playoff run he will be able to play you know like 10 to 15 minutes off the bench kind of what he did with us except now it's on a much bigger stage and probably a bigger platform for him like with the thunder he was kind of just a hidden secret like i saw there's really not a lot of attraction to getting justin jackson now he's gonna get time with a actual contender and hell just stringing together a couple of big performances might get him a contract he didn't look bad with the thunder and it took him like two two three weeks to get a deal and with the thunder it was a little bit different like i don't know how to describe justin jackson's tenure with us he only played 33 games And he was so wishy-washy on when he played. Like, to begin the season, he downright did not look playable, to be quite honest with you. His floater, like his 20-foot floater, runner, whatever, was so just staggering. Like, whenever you saw it, you kind of had to do a double take on it, because I've never seen anybody do 20-foot runners, especially when there's someone having a hand in your face and Jackson's not fast he's not bouncy either so it's just push shots almost all the time and they weren't going into the preseason to start the year out he was bad it looked like Justin Jackson was a waste of a roster spot looked like Frank Jackson should have had it probably still should have in retrospect but that's for another day anyways it didn't look like he was on par with the roster because honestly he did not he was playing really really bad and from three we got him in as a trade ship from the Mavericks as a sharpshooter, and he wasn't shooting the ball at a very effective clip either. So it didn't seem like he had a serious spot, but he finally started turning the corner whenever more opportunities came up for him. And I think he kind of had that Deontay Burton syndrome where you're going to get in for 10 minutes and instinctively you're going to be taking a slightly contested shot instead of passing to a wide open guy in the corner that's just how it works you want a stab pad to make your numbers look better hopefully to increase your role but over time that just went away and when we started getting the illnesses i think we had like a ton of guys on covid protocol to where we had like eight players in the month of february justin jackson was one of the lone men standing and that is really where he went off if you guys remember He had a three-game stretch of dropping over 20 points a game. I believe it was average. I think the last game he might have gone a little bit under 20, but he was really close. So he was practically the star of the rotation for three games this year. That's probably going to be a trivia question at some point because that's kind of unexpected to be quite honest. But in that span, he had a 20-point game against the Denver Nuggets where they were barely losing that they lost 97 to 95 in that game and it was just really down the wire very sluggish style of ball but jackson was kind of the savior and then he followed it up two days later valentine's day game against what do you know the milwaukee bucks and he dropped 22 points including the game ceiling three I'm talking pull up top of the key rattled around the rim four times and just barely squeezed in the cylinder and they took the game 114 to 109 and then the game after that he looked very solid so he had that three game stretch where he looked like he was an actual piece and it was could he actually carve a rotation and then whenever you started getting everybody back Slowly but surely, his role diminished back to what it was at the beginning of the year and in the midst of like January, which was, you're not going to be playing unless we need you in terms of someone's hurt or there's foul trouble or something along those lines. He wasn't readily being called upon and he wasn't in the active rotation. So he was kind of just taking deep dives in and out of the rotation and he still got consistent like by the end of the time he was with us like the last month I'd say the month of March. He looked pretty sweet. Like he did look like a key rotational player, but the fact that he's already 26 years old and he was on expiring, it didn't really have him as a long-term asset. So when we heard from Adrian Wojnarowski that a team actually called on Justin Jackson's availability come the March 25th deadline, You already know Sam Presti would have been all over it, and as fans, we kind of wanted him gone because he didn't fit the bill, and if we're going to get a second-round pick for him, of course you're going to do it. That deal never came, though, and it led to us, you know, giving him the boot, but in his 33 games, he was good. Like, I mentioned that three-game stint. It was much more than that where he looked very, very solid. He averaged 7.3 points, 1.7 rebounds, and 1.5 assists. In those contests, and he shot the ball all right from three. Like, I'm not gonna overhype it and be like, oh, he was everything we asked for from distance. He was very, very rocky, and I'm being dead serious. Like, he would have games where he could not hit the side of a barn, and then he looked really good. Overall, though, he shot just over 30% from three, shooting around three and a half a game. So not terrible, but definitely not where you want it. For comparison, I think Darius Baisley has been stooped around 28-29% for most of the year. And when we've looked at that, we are not very appetized. So it wasn't a very good three. Jackson's stat line isn't for a guy who was coined a sharpshooter entering our camp and just throughout his four-year career. It wasn't pretty, but now moving on to Milwaukee, I guarantee that he's going to be able to find some open looks, whether it's from Giannis, Drew Holiday. They have playmakers to get him wide open. So I'll put it that way. He's going to be able to get some pretty open shots on catch and shoots. And assuming he's going to be in the second unit and maybe even the third unit at times, he might have to create his own offense. And he did not look bad, like I said. To finish the year out, he was making pull-up shots. He was able to drive inside and get the runners to go. But... I don't know if he'd be 100% proven. Like his game is just so weird. It's six foot seven. He is not really huge, like size-wise. So against a typical six ten, like two forty power forward, he's not going to be able to hang there. And then if you draw him down to a small forward spot, someone's going to blaze right by him. Like he's not fast. So he's kind of a weird puzzle piece. But he he was able to figure it out. He was able to fill. In our system and i would assume he'd be able to do that with the milwaukee bucks so he's gonna get his time with them to kind of prove himself he i'm assuming would not have gotten a full-scale contract if he just finished the year out with us and he hit the market obviously that's a whole ton of speculation there but he was not a early pickoff in the buyout market. like it took time for things to surface for the Milwaukee Bucks to jump on him and eventually sign him on this two-way contract. but yeah, I mean he gets that second chance here. and I think honestly, I don't remember if Justin Jackson asked to be waived. I think I might have read something, but I don't think I reported on it. I'm assuming that his camp probably wanted to, mutually split ways because of the fact he wanted to play in the playoffs and that was going to be his big moment to make a push for nba teams and be in the top 450 players because he's kind of right around that fringe level right now so he needs that extra boost i'd say to get back into the ranks so milwaukee's gonna do that for him he's gonna go in we don't know a set debut date for him And it's not like I'm going to be tracking Justin Jackson's every game. So, debut date, it is what it is. But he's going to be playing for them, and he's still sticking with the number 44 jersey. And when I was checking this out, I did not know this. This is a fun fact. Justin Jackson picked jersey number 44 in homage to George Gervin. I would say they play a little bit different, but hey, suits him i'm not going to complain about it so that's why he wears jersey number 44 so he's going to be with milwaukee thought he was a great kind of class act with the thunder i'd assume he'd be the exact same for milwaukee and you wish him all the best but moving on to the next story in the chesapeake energy arena this actually happened three days ago on tuesday they do not have a name for the next season and it's because the chesapeake energy corporation have terminated their contract with the thunder in terms of naming the arena and originally the chesapeake energy arena was coined back in 2010 it was a ford center from 2008 to 2010 that name expired in chesapeake energy arena they pounced all over it they signed a 12 year 34 million dollar contract so it took them until 2022 and now they just went out one year early so it's not terrible but it's also a little bit sad because of the history we have kind of built here just with the name in the peak alone like it has some major tone to it like it it's almost historic now uh amongst the league but anyways they terminated the contract and now they're going to be searching for someone else another company for naming rights and until they get another partner it's still going to stick as a Chesapeake Energy Arena but I would almost guarantee by the start of next season we're going to be seeing a new arena name but in terms of how this would kind of work because it's it's a little bit interesting. It's not actually the city who is picking the name here. The city owns the arena, but the Thunder has exclusive rights to get the I guess advertising money for naming the arena because Oklahoma City, you know, the OKC Thunder, they kind of bring a lot of attention. So, whenever you hear Kevin Harlan or whoever the announcer would be saying we're in chesapeake energy arena that's giving them advertisement so there's clearly money to be made there and it's kind of smart that the city would kind of give those rights to the thunder so they are actually going to be taking control of who is going to be their business partner moving on down the line but i feel like they almost have had a decent amount of time to think about this because and for companies as well on if they want to make a, a bid here Because the Chesapeake Energy Company, they have not looked good in this past year. They filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy nine months ago, and they just got out of it. I'm talking February. They dug themselves out of bankruptcy. looks like they're finally turning a corner. But what did it cost them? It cost them equitizing $7.8 billion in debt. And laying off about 15% of the workforce they had in Oklahoma City. So 220 workers, they got laid off and they barely got their head above water. That's good for them. But at the same time, like if you're just getting out of bankruptcy and you're trying to get back on the up and up, you gotta be prioritizing your business almost. And I kind of understand it because I feel like, you know, naming an NBA arena should not be on the priority list anyways. I couldn't tell you how much an energy and gas company would be making, but if they are billions and billions of dollars down the hole, paying a couple million dollars for a big advertising block like that might give you a return. I don't know, though. I feel like that's a pretty niche market. Maybe I'm wild saying that, but I don't know. They just, I guess, did not feel like it was going to give a big enough return, and with them trying to bring back up to prosperity, naming an arena for millions and millions of dollars probably was not going to fit their budget cuts anyway, so it's good for them, sucks for fans, because let's just be real, like, the Chesapeake Energy Arena is going to have a lot of history behind it, kind of just a whole era here, taking you from Really the beginning of the time they joined. Yeah, you can talk about 2008-2009. But that was when you started seeing the big three of KD, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden just budding. We went through that. Westbrook stays. Paul George comes in. Melo comes in. They're gone. Now you get SGA. So we just kind of went through a whole era, like the Russell Westbrook era, Almost, I guess you could call it that. But so much stuff went on there. Just a whole dynasty. Maybe that's what you'd want to call it. Like that was these last 11 years have just been like that. Like you saw the beginning of a dynasty, the fall of it, and hell, maybe the beginning of another one and what we've seen with SGA, Dort, and all these picks that we've just hoarded along. I could talk about Baisley too. But you get my point. Like, we have seen a pretty weird curve here and in, in trajectory of the team. And now you're gonna change the arena. Obviously doesn't mean that much outside of the, the listing outside the arena, but I, I guess it's kinda a sign of of where the team is moving. Just a new era, guess that means a new arena name as well. But when we're talking about companies who would want to jump in there is i'd assume a good deal of teams and one of them might just be Velveeta. and these guys if you don't check nba twitter are all over the oklahoma city thunder like whoever runs the social media page just decided that they were going to be a thunder fan account and that was going to be it and it's worked for them like there is almost a cult following surrounding velveta and the franchise somehow like they'll post like dort or something everyone will go crazy about it they have a major major following uh around fans and whenever the announcement was made i think it was from royce young who broke it they commented on the post, you know, just some eye emojis. Do you want to read into that and say they're going to place a bid? I don't know if you want to read that far in, but obviously the social media guys care a decent bit. Did they have to go through management to tweet? I don't even know because it seems like just some 30-year-old guy rattling off tweets all day long, but that, that very well could be what it is, by the way. But maybe they won in, and I think fans for the most part would enjoy that. I'm a little bit indifferent about the Velveeta following right now. Like, I'm not completely sold on it because it's just in my in my inbox all the time, my, my Twitter feed, but it is what it is. I think in terms of what the name for a Velveeta-themed arena would be, maybe like around the Velveeta Liquid Gold Bowl or, or something like that. That's the one I saw, like the Gold Bowl, Velveeta Bowl, just something bowl because... It makes sense. You, you know where I'm going with that. But I think that is one of the names that you could kinda see. Sonic as well. This gives you kind of some versatility here. If you want to be able to troll a little bit, date back to the Seattle Supersonics days, you get the versatility, you get the flexibility here with the Sonic branding. And we missed a major, major shot in giving loves the jersey patch. How about you get Sonic the naming rights for the arena and you just go off with that? I think that's a fair trade-off. You know, the Sonic Center, whatever you want it to be, the Super Sonic Center, just something. Spice it up a little bit. And, you know, if you want to go there and maybe go get a little bit um crazy with like Seattle fans, I guess you could try it. That would be a little bit um controversial to say the least. Like would Adam Silver have to step in? I don't know. If, if that was the case, like, could they even step in? Because that is their, their name. Like, they are Sonic. So, eh. Uh, that's just one of the, the far-out guys that you could see entering in on the sweepstakes. It kind of does make some sense regionally, too, because if I remember correctly, I think the first Sonic was based and founded in Oklahoma. So, you get them from where they're founded. Give them the arena, why don't you? I mean, they might be the biggest chain, I, definitely fast food chain in the United States from Oklahoma. Maybe just in general in terms of stores, but they are huge in Oklahoma. They're huge everywhere. Everyone knows what happy hour is two to four, half price drinks, get a roof 44, Four, and you're going to have a good time. But. Anyways, outside of Velveeta and Sonic, that's where you get into the the kind of the the head scratchers. Like, there's some un- uncertainty, I would say. And maybe it starts with Loves. Nobody likes Loves. What would they call their arena? Like the Loves Patch, the Love Love Bowl, Love Arena? They'd probably just go with like Loves Arena. I mean, are you kidding? They are the most basic just company ever if you've seen that jersey patch you know they are as simpleton as it gets it'd probably just be the loves arena and hell if they're willing to pay for that tiny jersey patch they might just pay for the whole damn arena name if that happens that's not going to be a good sign for us kind of get that crystal ball out and make some projections but i don't think anybody is a big fan of loves um being related to the thunder like if they had a cooler logo and they were flexible on the jersey patch designs oh i'd be totally for it but it is just such a large distracting jersey patch it's just hard to get past it like you could try to make some combinations with that jersey and i've actually kind of gotten used to it like with the statement jersey like the blue the one that looks like the maps i think that one looks decent with it but you know unlike a home jersey like a simple white blue and orange you just get out of nowhere a neon yellow and red it's like what is why why give us like one of those super tiny patches where it's just some normal font and you can kind of customize the color there just give a little bit of give and you know actually share the love that, that's a better one but just give a little bit of flexibility To mess around with the jersey customization. It looks so much better. And maybe even an arena if that ever happens. But you got to get the fans on your side before you even get into the market for getting the arena name. And then obviously, you know, I I tried checking back on 2010 to see who was in the race for the arena title. But there's always just going to be those oddball companies that you're going to see coming out of nowhere. Like, um, i don't know Devin energy i remember those commercials those those were great where they like had i think it was like kids like no, no no it wasn't kids it was like um like an artist drawing birds or something in the sand if they get the arena name oh i'd be cool with that those those commercials were sick but outside of them i don't really know they're just there's just going to be a random curveball company like a ball arena or whatever it is um for the denver nuggets now it's like why and we'll just have to get used to it whatever name it's gonna be it's probably not gonna top the chesapeake energy arena let's just be honest here like we at least this is my opinion i'm kind of a big fan of like the three word names like the oklahoma city thunder chesapeake energy arena Vivint smart arena i'm trying to think of more like three um three word arenas or whatever Smoothie King Arena. I I think they might have changed theirs, but you, you know, you know where I'm going. Like the Moda Center, is that what I want it to be named? Probably not. I want a little bit of an out of the box name where it sounds super sick. So if there's like a crazy company that joins in that I know nothing about, but they got a cool name, that's gonna be good with me too. Just nothing basic. So as I talked about, if loves is in the market for the team arena name you better start running because they their pr team is pretty bad and so is their marketing team based on what we've seen from prior performance from them so just get ready for that heat wave i'll update you guys if we ever like get the public um you know kind of rumors and buzz on who's interested chances are we don't get this news until months and months like maybe a month leading up into next season because of the fact it's going to be a bidding war and I don't really feel like they the thunder that is have their hands pressed at all to make a deal right now i think it's you know just whatever figure it out next year keep the peak um until the end of the season and then you you work from there so this is not going to be just a bang bang thing at least I would assume that would be the case I think they waited out and just see what kind of deals they could fetch and Maybe they care about what the name would be. If it sounds cool, sounds not cool, hopefully they factor that in. But I'll I'll mention that if it happens and if there's any more buzz, but don't count on it. That's kind of a story that's going to be developing over a long, long stretch of time. But one thing that is not going to be developing over a super long stretch is the game that we're literally going to be playing against the Washington Wizards tonight. It's going to be at 7 p.m central standard time so if you are in the west coast you got a ticket back two hours and in the east coast it's going to be an 8 p.m start time but this game is going to be the second time we've seen them in the week and if you all remember the last game went in the washington wizards favor 119 to 107 and it went their way because of robin lopez robin freaking lopez it seemed like scott brooks ran into a wall and just started like banging his head with a hammer throwing robin lopez into the game with nine minutes left i think it was like a one or two possession game at the time too but he just turned around started beasting and beasting over bradley and brown there was no good way to stop him like he was taking post shots he was just digging right into the defense i think he did a couple hooks as well he was all over the place and he ended up finishing with 17 points on the game. I think he went five of five in the fourth too. And behind him, there's like Davis Bertans on the bench, shot six of 12 from three, got 21 points. And uh, you can never forget too with Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal had 30 points on the game, and Westbrook had a 13, 11, and 17 triple double for the Thunder's point of view. They had a, a couple good performances Darius Baisley he had his original career high 26 he tied it in the last game too but yeah I I think that was kind of your highlight player from that game anyways but it's a little bit different on what we are going to see just based on the new injury reports of those of note Denny Advia for the Washington Wizards I think he's done for the season and he got injured a day or two ago He had to get carted off in a wheelchair. So also, prayers up to him and his recovery. But um, yeah, he's not going to be playing in the game. And so is Rui Hachimura. He's out. He wasn't playing anyways. He's been out for like months at this point. And for the Thunder, we don't know what's going to be going on with Lou Dort. I think he's questionable to play in the game. He's missed the last, I think, three now. Yeah, he's missed the last three. So this would be four if he missed it. And then on top of that, you have Josh Hall and Gabriel Deck. Talk about SGA, talk about Muscala. We know that they're going to be out of the game. But yeah, that's going to be your key injury. Really, it's going to be on if Dort is going to be active to play or not. Because we know that the Thunder, they're playing completely different styles of ball depending on... If you got Dort in or if you got Baisley in. Before Dort and Bays were in the rotation, this was the rookie showcase. I'm talking like NBA 2K12, stars versus elites, going in the gauntlet. Everyone's getting their points up. It's not like that anymore. Both Maladone and Poku are not the stars of the show in these games anymore. And now the spotlight's kind of focused back onto the sophomores and Dort and Bays. And we've seen with Bays, he is kind of been the star since we've seen SGA and Dort out together with those two pairings at 26 points and he would be continuing that if Lou Dort is not going to be playing but if we get Lou Dort in it's not going to be a one-man show it's going to be two co-stars and it's going to be split reps between the two on the offensive side of the ball and it's going to be a lot of different driving from both of them I think with Basley, he has just been a dribble move guy like he'll size you up a couple times and then he'll just slash right inside for a layup and then even get in the foul line like he's led the team in the last two probably even three games in that statistic but that's been his primary focus and then Lou Dort he's been shooting the basketball really well from distance so he is a catch and shoot guy so he would bounce right off of uh Basley but also he has been slashing too so it's a bit of a style clash and Now, if you threw SGA in this rotation, we wouldn't even be talking about this, but since there's no SGA, there's going to be equal drives between the two. So if Dort's there, the primary focus really isn't on Baze anymore. And maybe he'd still be able to fetch up 20 points, but it's not just going to be him, as I mentioned. And then you still need to talk about how you have Maladon and Poku who have put up high volumes of points. Maladon, he's looked super cold lately, and Poku... I mean, we haven't really seen him much. He has been pulled from two games in the last week due to injury. And um, with uh, his illness that we saw in Wednesday's game, it doesn't seem to be serious. It was not COVID symptoms, maybe just a common flu. I have no clue. But he's going to be playing for the game. He's not listed on the injury report, at least, as I'm recording this. So he's good to go. And that means more shots up for the pairing of those two And also, how about guys like Moses Brown and Tony Bradley? Moses Brown played terrible against the Wizards in the last game. He went 0 of 3, didn't even score, and he only had 6 rebounds. Tony Bradley, on the other hand, looked spectacular. He had 16 points on the game, but he only had 3 rebounds. So it was a bit weird on the stat lines. Like You'd think he'd get like 6 and 8. Nope, just 3 rebounds on the game. But he was still effective right under the rim so you need to kind of pinpoint those two guys as people to monitor because i mean bradley he held up really strong just hoisting up wide open like close shots because in the game ty jerome was giving perfect passes to him like every single time but if that's closed off how are they going to operate against um alex lynn daniel gafford and robin lopez because somehow that tandem or I guess that trio just shut them down in the game and I wouldn't have expected it I think Alex Len was like a mid-season acquisition Daniel Gafford they got off of the bulls for damn near nothing at the trade deadline and then with Robin Lopez I mean if you told me what team he played for I probably wouldn't have known like maybe I know I definitely know now but I just remember he was playing with Brooke Lopez in Milwaukee last year and now he's on the grid and he's a serious threat off the bench for them so a little bit wonky on what we saw from them do I fully expect Robin Lopez to go off for 17 again I absolutely do not if he drops like 20 or more I'll have to do some crazy sort of giveaway I don't know if you know I want to go fully into that yet because I need to work out the parameters. But I don't see a 20-point game in the equation for him right now. Like maybe 10 points, 5 rebounds. But I don't know if he's going to have that much success again. I think that the post is probably going to be locked up. That might be one of their primary focuses. But if the Thunder are going to win this game, they need to stop the 3-point shot. And they need to stop, in particular, Davis Bertans. He could not miss from distance in the last game. And it's because there was really no threat to him. And you're going to get Isaiah Roby in this game, which we didn't have in the last one. That's going to be major. And also, Kenrich Williams, if Shvima Kailuk is going to be in the uh, in the starting lineup again, we're going to have him off the bench too. So I think both of those guys, and Roby and Williams, can actually clamp up Bertons pretty well. So that can patch up that big, big hole that we had from uh, Monday's game. And then just basing off of that, I still think if Bradley's able to clamp up on Lopez, the bench, I think for the most part, should be pretty shut down. Like Outside of those two guys, no one was really going crazy. I mean, Daniel Gafford had 13 points, so he's a primary focus. But lock down that paint and uh, make sure Bertons isn't in threes. Second unit's going to win that battle because outside of that, they only have Ish Smith, Cassius Winston, and and Garrison Matthews, at least those are the people who played. They're not really that good. Um so you can test them. They're not going to be playing a ton of minutes. It's going to be a lot of front load minutes for uh the starters and Beal and Westbrook. But um you know, when we get the chances with the bench guys, just let them chuck it at will cuz they weren't making their shots in the last one and I don't expect them to be making a ton in um in this game. But you need to make sure that Russell Westbrook is going to be locked down. We had Darius Baisley guarding him in the last game, and it worked in the respect of Russell Westbrook wasn't driving down the court and getting free layups every play. He had to work for everything. He only shot five of 18 from the field, and he went one of four from distance. The problem was, though, everyone was kind of clashing inside trying to help out. That's where you saw easy kickouts for mid-range shots and three-point shots because they ended up finding nine out of those 10 threes off of Burton's or Bradley Beal they were just spotted up waiting for shots and he found them in the right place even outside of that too like Russell Westbrook was dishing it right down inside for entry passes for guys like Gafford and Robin Lopez and we did not see entry passes for Moses Brown in our last game you heard me yesterday I was kind of upset about that would we change it against them? No. I don't think you want to be forcing the ball down to Moses Brown in this game. There's no height advantage. And I just don't think he's at that point right now. Like, if we're going to be completely honest, the guys who should have the ball, the pecking order is going to be Baisley. If Lou Dort's in the contest, he's slotting at number two. And then you probably go Poku Maladone at the three and four. Outside of that, it's kind of just free reigns of everything. The second unit does, you know, what they do. Jerome hoists threes makai luke does kenrich williams is all over the board and then the two centers are just kind of in and out they fill in and they kind of just set screens and chill down though, waiting for baskets so i don't think you make moses brown a primary point of the offense he just hasn't looked like that and if he's going to be starting with darius Baisley, and we don't have dort i don't expect him to be getting entry passes i expect him just like he did against indiana kind of just waiting at the block for Baisley to make his move inside and if he misses his his layup that's when he goes into attack for points but I don't think he's going to be kind of gifted any points whenever his matchup in Alex Lin is a pretty respectable center believe it or not so I don't think it's going to be his kind of game where he's the number one guy but he's shown games where out of nowhere he'll get a double double in about like eight minutes anyways so Could it be one of those games? Of course it could. But I just don't expect the game plan to be, let's try to throw it inside him, especially when he shot 0 of 3 whenever they played last game. So expect for Baisley to be the number one guy again. Will he eclipse the 26 point mark? You hope so. You want to see him improve. The biggest deal with him is, is he able to get a fine-tuned game where it's inside and outside where he's dominant? We've seen it from mix and match like one or the other we want to see both and this could be that game for him you also want to see the rookies kind of get back into shape because they haven't looked good this week and also is Fima Kailuk because he just came off a 20 point game I would assume like I said if Dort's out still he'd be a big option in the starting unit and I just want to see him kind of work from the perimeter a little bit more and kind of base it off of that just one little stat you need to kind of think about though from this game to the uh, or last game to this game is the fouls because the fouls were the glaring hole in the performance that kind of sunk them down into the loss. They had 26 fouls in this game. I believe that was a high of the year for them and because of it, it led to the Wizards shooting 29 free throws. 29 and that was kind of the difference maker in the game so you can't be just hacking people away and getting them to the free throw line no free points should be given out and then also you cannot be kind of impatient with the basketball take your time don't give up turnovers they had 19 in the last game only had 23 assists when they played the wizards looked a lot better against the pacers though so you do kind of take these last numbers with a grain of salt, but this is going to be a pesky defense in the Washington Wizards, so you cannot give them any sort of daylight if you're trying to win this game. I will say, when it comes to us, free throws were our strong suit against the Wizards. This was when Bays had 13 free throw attempts, sunk 11 of them, so this will be probably another paint-focused game Unless we get Dort and then he goes off for like 45 points again. So we'll see if he plays. It's going to make a difference here. And if he does, I will suggest you guys check out on Twitter. I'll be doing kind of updates leading into the game. And I'll just kind of set the uh, set the table read before the action gets going at 7 p.m. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all next time. See ya.